So either on the Sunday before Thanksgiving or the Sunday after Thanksgiving, it's the due responsibility of the pastor to speak about Thanksgiving. And so we are going to speak about Thanksgiving. The challenge for a pastor is there's really only one thing that you need to say for such a message, and that is, be thankful. (laughs) And after you say, be thankful, you've really sort of said it all. Because we just need to be thankful, right? But I've realized that in our life, we do not migrate to a spirit of thanksgiving. In part, because of the culture that we live in. And the culture that we live in pushes us into this presupposition that we need more. We need better. We need more strength, we need more friends, we need a better job position, we need a better house, you name it, there's this subtle culture influence, cultural influence that says you should be discontent because you're marketed as consumers, all right? You're marketed not only as consumers, you're also marketed to be competitors, And these kinds of environments that we are living in on a regular basis causes us to not be content, not be grateful. And I think all of us would recognize that, but we have to force ourselves back against that culture with some biblical exhortation. Now, it's interesting, um, a couple weeks ago when I was sitting in a lecture series, for a class, there was a gentleman um, from New Zealand, in Aust- I, th- I think he's New Zealand, from down the Australia area, right? And he had spent some time in the States, <laughs> but he was there speaking, and he says, you know, it's interesting when I come up to America, because there's certain attitudes that sort of prevail around here that you guys probably just do- don't notice them because you live in them. But I've found that it's difficult sometimes to have a conversation and a dialogue about things without people sort of, you know, starting to pit sides one another. He says, for example, he says, if I say, I love cats, why is the first thought for some people saying, what's your problem with dogs? (laughs) He says, if I say, I am for fiscal responsibility, the next person will say, well, why don't you want to help the poor? Or someone who says, I uh, am for gun control. Next person pits back, well, what are you going to do when your wife's molested or something? And it's like, well, yeah, why do we jump to this opposite and retort back and forth with one another? And he caught me with something because a lot of times, you know, we, we had our fish die this last week week, two weeks ago. I don't know what it was. It was my son brought it home from college a year ago. I couldn't believe the little beta fish. Is that what it was? Lasted a year. We tried and tried to kill it, and we finally did. <laughs> but at no time can you ask a fish, they say, what they think of water, because water's all that they know. Okay? As Americans... And this New Zealand professor, he says, I think part of it's because of your political system and how it operates and why you go there. But 
we are like fish in water sometimes. We don't realize the culture that we're in. And it's hard to describe it. But a lot of the angst and the challenge and the discontentment that's in your life is because of the fishbowl of water that you're in called American Western civilization. But we have a citizenship in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. And our citizenship in heaven supersedes any citizenship here on earth, nationally, stateside, any type of organization you're in. And as citizens of heaven, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, then your life should be marked with deep gratitude that sort of rolls off your tongue on a regular basis and is a part of the majority of your prayer to the Lord. Grateful people. Ken Blanchard, some of you may be familiar with him, he has a little book called The One Minute Manager. And uh, one of the things he says you need to do is practice one minute praising if you're a, um, a leader in an organization. Because we're always quick to call out an employee on what they're not doing right. That's true of my life, probably not as much maybe in my professional arena as I am sometimes in my family, if you get that. And so you're always like, this needs to do better, we need to do that. And I fail to stop and give a word of praise, a word of thanks, a word of appreciation where it needs to be. So Ken Blanchard is saying just take a minute when you see an employee doing something and say it then, because if you don't say it then, one, you probably won't say it, and two, it won't be a timely kind of word anyway. So just take a minute and praise that employee and see how that, that excels the culture of your work environment and for you as a leader. I think we could learn that as citizens of the heavens, that we take more of the one-minute praising kind of thing. In fact, your discipline to be here this morning marks you as a citizen of heaven in the sense that you came to praise the Lord and we exalted Him in worship. We'll exalt Him through the prayers and our verbal words of thanksgiving. We'll exalt Him and bless Him as it relates to Scripture. And for that, I say thank you for being here, not for me and not for mostly for one another, but thank you on behalf of Jesus Christ. He inhabits the praises of His people and where the praises of his people are, there he is blessed and in their midst. And as we grow as a church, may we be marked not by anxiousness or discontentment or internal kind of issues that that relate to some of our fallen sinful nature, but may we be marked as citizens of heaven who gather and encourage one another and bless God and bless and praise and encourage one another because this fishbowl we live in is desperately needing that kind of environment. It will attract people. And maybe not just in a big room setting like this, but also in our uh, missional community groups or as we go out and we hang with one another. May we be a people where the word of God, um, a blessing for the Lord is always upon our lips. I'm reminded of the psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice.
So as pastor, on Thanksgiving, my word to you is be thankful. We're done. Now, you wish. I want to walk through a psalm today. And the psalm that I want to walk through is Psalm 103. If you have your scriptures, I encourage you to turn there or turn on your smartphones and find it. And uh, we are going to look at Psalm 103 as it relates to this encouragement for us to be a people who uh, are thankful and filled with an attitude of appreciation and blessing of the Lord. Now, I need you to know something. Not only do pastors sometimes have obligatory rights to speak on certain things, there's sometimes that those pastors don't want to speak on what they're supposed to speak on. That was true of me yesterday. I had a beautiful Thanksgiving. I had, I stayed away from stores on Black Friday, so that was good. So I had a beautiful Black Friday. I had to pop into one real quick. But um, things started to head south for me yesterday. And I'm not quite sure still why it headed south. My wife says, you're a pastor. Why don't you get a clue? It's Saturday before Sunday. It's spiritual warfare. Of course, this would happen to you. And I believe you're right. I also believe what was right is um, it just reflects how uh, humbling it is sometimes to speak in front of you because I have to speak on something that I myself am challenged with in my own personal life. Yesterday, I don't know, it was one of those days where I couldn't find my notes because I decided not to think about today too much until yesterday, and I still couldn't find my notes for today. Uh, My son um, got a fever, and I was conscious of that, and that sort of kept us away from doing the little Christmas tree uh, scavenger hunt we were going to do and set up a Christmas tree in this new home that we've been in for six months and, and where we came from we had this like huge tree like it dominated our whole living room it was about 12-14 feet tall and so I know that trees are important for my family and, and some of you actually offered to give some of your appliances to hang on the tree to us and uh, I appreciate that so we had those and we needed to go uh, get the tree and uh, I was anxious about some other issues and being able to be a provider as a father for my kids and some particular needs that they had. And our one son, Zach, uh, is still back in Indiana, so he wasn't with us for Thanksgiving. He's got a few more weeks of high school to finish out, and so I'm a little disappointed in that. Um, but then I got a phone call, and my phone call was basically my renter who rents my house I haven't sold back in Indiana saying that they had no water the same problem I had two weeks ago, and I threw $1,000 at it, and it appears now I probably need to buy a new well pump, which is probably another $2,000, of which you just don't have that kind of money, you know, just especially heading into Christmas. So you're sitting in that kind of deep, dark disposition. They bring the tree home. I appreciate it. They bring the tree home. You pull the tree out, and I was reminded again why I don't get real Christmas trees. <laughs> For many years, I worked with real Christmas trees, and it takes an art 
ultimately with wires and everything else to get it to stand and stable and all that kind of deal. And this was a huge trunk, and we got a Christmas tree stand. I'm thinking that thing isn't going to fit on there again, right? And so I start sawing away, and as I hear next door to me, we live out in some open areas. I've always lived in open areas, but we do have a neighbor because he lives in an apartment uh, with a garage kind of complex. It's actually the stepfather of my landlord, and we'd, we're good friends and trying to build relationship and everything. And, and I, I do love I love dogs. Uh, I like dogs that are outside normally. But um, he has two little, I'm sorry if you're a dog lover, but two little yappy dogs. And the dogs yap a lot. And they were outside yapping a lot during that day. In fact, I had to close the windows because you have to open your windows in times to get warm here, I realize, as well as get cold. And so we had to close the windows because the yappy dog and my son had a fever and he was trying to get some rest and that kind of thing. And the tree had come in and so I'm trying to work on the tree and it's a huge tree and I had no saw really. And, and John Melton gave a saw, but it's not a tree saw. And I'm like, this cross saw, this is going to take some time and figuring this out. And I'm out there sawing away, frustrated that I was going to spend another 2000 on top of the 1000 not knowing where my message was coming from. I need to be the dad. I need to buck up and really do well with this. And the yappy dogs are just going away at it. And so I did something I, I really regret, and I have some ap- more apologies even to make today. But I went over and I sort of scare the dog. I try to through my back fence to go back in, and, and the dog doesn't move. So then I go on around outside my fence, and my son Ryan is saying to me, Dad, don't. Dad, don't. And I'm like, I've done this before. I just say boo to the dog, and it runs back in. And I thought the owner was gone, but the owner wasn't gone. And so I walked up to the two yappy dogs. And I went, Hi-ah! like that. And they turn around and fly in the little trap door. And then they come back, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, like that. And my son's in the background, dad, 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 get back here, don't. I didn't realize my, my friend, my landlord's father, had been looking through the window. He comes out around the window and he's, hey, stop that. That's enough of that. I'm like, I just, I'm upset. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I walk back and, and, and my son later tells me, he says, dad, you were over there not only yelling at the dogs, but you had a saw in your hand. <laughs> The long story short of it, I got back. We got the tree standing. I hope it's standing when we get back home. We need to get a few more lights. I uh, buckled down. I, I reworked my way back through 103, Psalm 103 without having the notes, some of the notes I thought I had. And then uh, finally, right before I walked in to service this morning, uh, my renter, who usually has uh, is a pain, a little bit of a pain, and, this, and rightfully so. When you don't have water, you don't, you know, and he said, we've got a little bit of water. And I called three well people because in Indiana now, I guess plumbers can't work on wells. It's illegal. And so three well people, I couldn't get anybody there on Sunday, but they said it's good enough till tomorrow morning. And my well guy is going to be there. Psalm 103. <laughs> Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I confess to you, I wanted to pick another psalm today. (laughs) Maybe more one of my enemies are after me kind of psalm. (laughs) Some song of, psalm of lament, woe is me. 
but the humor of my God. The illustration I wanted to start off with, expounding on this psalm, which has been dear to me over the years, is an illustration about well pumps. Many years ago, a weary traveler hiked for miles across the desert. With the hot sun beating down on his back, his water supply was gone, and he knew that if he didn't find water soon to quench his thirst, he would surely die. In the distance, he spotted a deserted cabin, which brought hope that maybe water was to be found there. He made his way to the cabin and discovered an old well. He frantically pumped the handle of the well to draw water. But all that came from the pump was dust. Maybe you're familiar with old well pumps. You can walk up to them and you can pump and 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 and truly all you can sometimes get is dust. Then he noticed a tin cup tied to the pump with a note inside. The note said, Dear stranger, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer in it, and it should last for quite a few years. But the washer dries out, and the pump needs to be primed. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun and corked corked it up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. Pour about one-fourth of the water into the pump and let her soak for a minute to wet the leather washer. Then pour the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. You'll get water. Have faith. This well has never run dry. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back as you found it for the next stranger who comes this way. Yours, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking up the water. It's true. You have to prime a pump to get the water to flow. And what the psalmist is doing in Psalm 103 is exactly that. He is priming the pump. He is priming the pump and the water is going to come flowing. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. He is speaking to His soul. His very essence in saying, soul, get your act together. You need to praise and bless the Lord. Bless His holy name. Forget not all of His benefits. And as you pour the water down the dry, crickety old well, and let the leather washer get loosened up, and you continue to prime that pump by pouring some more water down it, before you know it, you will be a person who experiences flowing waters of thanksgiving and praise. But friends... The majority of our life, living in this culture, thinking that we need more, bigger, better, or that we're doing without, or there's health issues, whatever it may be, we have a challenge because we are not 
prone to be people who flow with a spirit of praise and thanksgiving and blessings of one another. And all I can say to you is that the Word of God is a great instrument and help in priming the pump to be able to flow in the ways that God intends for us to flow. Our destiny as citizens of heaven is in the eternal realm like we've talked about over the last number of weeks in the kingdom of God, and we will praise and exalt the Lord forever. So our destiny is to be people who are filled with praise and gratefulness and thanksgiving. But we find ourselves oftentimes in this place of criticalness, a jaded cynicism, or a disheartened spirit, discouraged. Now, there are ups and downs, and you may be in one of those downs today, and I am not one of these people who come to you as a pastor and say, suck it up, get over it, forget about it, it's in the past, put a Jesus smile on your face, and go out there and be one of those happy-go Christians. No. That's not what praise is about. You can praise the Lord when you're in the pit. And David did it often. Because praise doesn't have to do with this exterior fakiness. It has to do with a deep-seated spirit of joy and appreciation and gratefulness and reverence to God. It has to do with the soul. And so, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. And then after that verse, He goes on in here and He lists 17 benefits to praise and bless the Lord about. Now I want you to jump to the end of this particular psalm. At the end of this particular psalm, you find these words in verse 20. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You His angels... You mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts. You His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Do you think His pump got primed? His pump got primed. And this is true. When you start to praise and thanks God, it starts small, but then it starts to grow. And there has to be this expansiveness to our praise. It's true of worship sets. Actually, I find that true in worship a lot of times. You know, you start out here, I'm here, I'm checking in today, I'm here, the kids are here, I'm good, and you're singing. And after a while, a few more songs, a few more words of exhortation, and there's something that expands within your heart. And you want to have this expansive praise to God. And, and here's the psalmist, David, man. He's at it. You as angels. You as heavenly hosts. All His work in His dominion everywhere. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Pour it on. Pour it on. If you're in the pit, if you're having a Saturday like I had yesterday, you don't have to fake it. You can be real with one another. But I encourage you, especially if you're a follower of God this morning, To prime the pump in some simple ways and count your blessings. Count the benefits. The benefits and wonders of the past. The provisions and the mercies of the present. And the promises and assurance of the future. Bless 
the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So let's look at a few of these benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits in verse 2. And then he lists some personal benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who forgives all your sins. If you can't go anywhere, go to the reality that as a believer in Jesus Christ, your sins are all forgiven. He doesn't hold it against you. I had to ask for forgiveness from my neighbor. I texted him and I said, George, I'm sorry. I was upset and I should not have done that to your dogs. And of course, he responds in kind, oh, I shouldn't let my dogs keep barking like that. I want to go and ask his forgiveness. And person, today or tomorrow, and I trust that he will forgive me for chasing his dogs with a saw. <laughs> It's great to have somebody then extend and say, that's okay. I forgive you. Maybe you offended your spouse this week. Maybe you did something wrong with your kids. Maybe you took on your parents in a certain way. You shouldn't have this week and you've asked for forgiveness. They extend forgiveness. God forgives all of your sins because ultimately our sins are against God. Now listen. Sometimes when we come to know Jesus, we repent of our sins and we turn to Him. We think, well, He forgives us our sins past. And then we try to outrun the devil best we can in our life. But when He forgave you of your sins, He forgave you of the past, the present, and the future. And so that word all there is pretty key, isn't it? Who forgives all your sins. I won't go down much deeper there this morning, but I want to encourage us as a church-wide body. And there's a good group here today, and having the students in here is good. Next week, we start into sort of Advent season for us. Christmas season as a church, we have three Sundays, the 7th, the 14th, the 21st, and we have Christmas Eve service. I've chosen to do a series called The Gift of Grace. There are a lot of people that we rub shoulders with on a daily, weekly, maybe a monthly basis that need the gift of grace this Christmas season. We have 2,500 postcards that are being printed. They weren't done for this morning, but we chose to get 2,500 printed. And they have a woman, I should have put the picture up here, opening a gift and light coming out of it. And it has to do with this whole offer of God's gift of grace, the forgiveness of our sins and coming into a right relationship with the one who created us. We need to canvas some of our neighborhoods. I think the students are going to do it. Some other people maybe, uh, small groups are doing it. You'll have some in your hands. But this is an invitation for this next month, the gift of grace, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And this is not some unashamed commercial I'm promoting here. This is life and death for some people. Some people are only one ask away from coming to church with you. Some people are 20 ask away. I understand that. But some people only want to ask away. And we should do due diligence this month 
a beautiful time of year. You know, some people, maybe you were described as that way. It's not Easter or Christmas, but they call them Christers. Christmas and Easter. They only come twice a year, right? This is Christmas time, so you're in good standing for your ask, okay? Especially for the Christmas Eve service. We spent some time trying to plan it and put it together this week. I'm very excited about, you know, just that quaint hour experience we have uh, Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. But I want us to realize that we can prime the pump as believers saying, you forgive all of our sins, and we take this thing for granted. But God is calling us to be mindful that he has forgiven us all of our sins, past, present, and future, but that he desires to forgive all people of all their sins. And the work of Jesus on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his desire to live in the lives of the people that he created is available to everyone. But a lot of times they've never been offered the gift of God's grace. So we're going to drill down on that a little bit more to understand what it means to really live and abide in God's grace. So, yeah, it's an encouragement. Heads up, here's where we're headed this next month. But I want you to plan in advance and pray in advance for people that maybe God's calling you to do that one ask. So that's one benefit. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all your diseases. Some of you have experienced and expressed today, thank God for healing, right? And he has healed you. And let your mind go to that. Now, some of you say, well, I've not been fully healed. Well, that's true. But all your hope for ultimate healing is found in God through his son Christ. And if not in this life, in the life to come, he will heal all our diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit? Are you in the pit today? He redeems it. He walks into the pit and he brings you out of the pit. Pit of despair, pit of sin, pit of waywardness. He crowns you with love and compassion. Loving kindness is a word in one translation. It's like, you know, stick the crown on you. You are crowned with loving kindness. This is your mark before Him and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything on your little wish list for Christmas. Because good things isn't necessarily referring to material things. It's returning, referring to the, the gift that you have of life itself. The gift that you have of uh, the spiritual enrichment that comes your way. The gift you have maybe of the community of those who are around you. When you think of good things, don't get caught up in the water of this culture and get sucked into materialism and consumerism. Good things are, uh, uh, there's a proliferation of them. And when we prime the pump, we have to think through all those different things and acknowledge them. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so what he has here is exaltation. There is pardon to remember. There is healing to remember. There is deliverance to remember. There is a coronation to be grateful for. And there is satisfaction that abounds. So here he is. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Praise him. Come on. Come on, Bowman. Wake up. Get it going. Prime the pump a little bit. Start thinking through these things. 
So let me go to the Scriptures. Let the Scripture be a training tool for me as it relates to my prayer life, as it relates to my praise life. Let me start to go through one of these. Okay, let me think through that. All of my sins. Oh, wow, that one and this one. Oh, my goodness, and this and the healed of disease. Oh, yeah, the brokenness, the lack of strength there. The Lord's renewed my strength. Those times of darkness when no one understood and God brought you out of them. Be grateful for those and know that He has a plan for you if you're in one of them today. And then the whole issue of love and compassion, of goodness. Just allow the Scripture to initiate what the soul needs to be actively doing, especially on this Thanksgiving weekend. Now what He does is He moves from some of these private things of His own personal life to exalting more on a corporate level. And the corporate level still extends to some of the things in our private life. But you find this as we move on to verse 6 of that psalm. Verse 6 of that psalm says this, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. This is David. Moses lived a long time before him. But he's recalling how God worked in prior years of Israel's history. We can recall how God worked in prior years of history. You know, I was thinking this, this week with the whole uh, Ferguson episodes and the, and the cultural racial unrest kind of issues. You know, that yes, there are miles to go. There are uh, dimensions of reconciliation that we need. But praise God for the reconciliation that has happened in this country over several centuries, over several generations, I mean. And how, God, you have worked in our lives. In fact, I read uh, uh, sort of a great tweet from, I think it's a football player from uh, Miami Dolphins. And he tweeted this long thing because he got the news shortly before they were ready to play on Monday Night Football. With, and he saw the, the whole thing that was displaying on the screens. And so he sent out this, this tweet or some type of, maybe it was more a lengthy email or something, and a message. And people got it and it's sort of making its rounds. It's sort of gone viral now a little bit. But his bottom line, and he's a Christian, his bottom line thing after you know seeing things on both sides of the whole discussion, he says, we need to understand in this world that way don't have a skin problem we have a sin problem we don't have a skin problem we have a sin problem and i am so thankful because there is hope through the gospel of the lord jesus christ that our sins can be dealt with whether they're sins of racism whether they're sins of, of destruction of, of, of vandalism whatever it may be and i thought you, you preach it friend you preach it because we see that like we saw this week and we want God, to work His righteousness. We want justice for those who are oppressed. Praise God the distance we come. Praise, oh my soul, Lord, that You've brought that and allowed us. But Lord, we have a ways to go. He's recalling Moses. You can recall events in your life, your family's life, this country's life. But he moves from these private exhortations to prime the pump of his soul to things of a corporate nature to say prime the pump here to be able to understand the bigger picture of what God's doing. And so then he gets on a roll here a little bit as well. And so he says this going into verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. 
Amen. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, that whole aspect is east from the west. You know, it's a difference. East from the west versus north to the south. North and south have poles. East to west, it goes on forever. He has separated. He has separated us from our transgressions. He is able to remember them no more because he has removed us from them. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Do you know what the word fear really means? The word fear really means reverence. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm scared. No, it means a reverence. Just a deep respect for those who fear God. For He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Remember? Made Adam from dust. And to dust do we return. He knows that. He doesn't pity us for it, but He right-sizes everything that we do. I know you. You came from the dust. As for man, his days are like grass, verse 15. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place is remembered no more. David's very mindful of God's perspective and his understanding of who we are as human beings. The Lord's love, it says then, in verse 17. I'm sorry, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who again revere Him, who fear Him. And His righteousness with their children's children. Friends, that's a great blessing, especially sitting around a family table today. And maybe you have some that are wayward, but you keep being faithful. It goes on down to children's children, the faithfulness your attitude of gratitude, your spirit of thanksgiving, your desire to bless God, to right-size this world, not get consumed with the wrong things and be pursuing the wrong trajectories, all that gets carried down. His righteousness through your life will be passed on down to children's children and those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. So he rolls out the personal benefits that God's bestowed upon him. He rolls out some corporate benefits, remembering back over the people of Israel and his own people that he traveled with. And then he just keeps rolling into what we looked at before. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all of his heavenly hosts and his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So the pastor tells you on Thanksgiving weekend, be thankful. And we say, got that. I know I need to do that. I get around to doing that. Now we roll into the next hour and the next day and the next week. But we don't really change. We have to spend time, I believe, in Scripture. We have to spend time in the presence of the Lord, whether it's a private prayer time in your own closet, in your room, on a prayer walk outside. 
Just spend time being grateful. In that whole Psalm 103, not one petition, not one request. We tried to do it in staff this week during our prayer time. I said, now we can't ask for anything in our prayer. We just need to thank God. And I'd spent a few words sharing a little bit here and there. And guess who's the one messed up? I did. Because <laughs> I wanted to ask something for all of us. I'm like, no. It was just praise and bless the Lord. Camp there. Spend time there. Like I said, using his word, prime the pump and let the soul get lathered up, loosened up. And before you know it, it's just like when we open up the room here, we say, hey, thank the Lord for this and this and this. You're all of a sudden thinking, well, I'm glad I'm healthy that I didn't come through a surgery. You know, I'm you know, I'm glad that my husband's in my house and he's not on deployment. Right. And so, you know, and you're thankful for for this child and, 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 and it sort of primes the pump and you start having multiple reasons to praise and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. William Law has this quote. He says this, Who is the greatest saint in the world? It is not he who prays most or fasts most. It is not he who gives most alms or is most eminent with temperance, chastity, or justice. But it is he who is always thankful to God, who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness and has a heart ready to praise God for it. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I'm just going to give you a couple minutes of quietness to thank God out of your own soul. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We lift to you simple words of thanksgiving. They seem so inadequate compared to the immense glory and the wonder of your majesty and the strength and the love and the compassion and the life that was laid out in brokenness for us through your Son, Jesus. Father, may you be honored and glorified in our lives. The lives that we live, the thoughts that we think, the words that we say, and the memories we choose to dwell on. God, may we as a people be marked as people who praise you. So, Lord, we lift to you our praise now in song. Remembering who you are, Lord Jesus, and your work for us. Indeed, may your strength be added to us and be our strength as we evermore prime the pump to be able to flow with a spirit of praise and thanksgiving. In your name we pray.